Remember, history lives on through the stories we tell. I'm Peter, and this is Who Died Today, the podcast that explores the lives of famous individuals on the day they passed away. Today we're delving into the extraordinary life of Elvis Presley, better known as the king of rock and roll. Today marks the 46th anniversary of his death, so without any further ado, let's dive into the early life of Elvis Presley. Part 1. Humble Beginnings, 1935-1953 Elvis Aaron Presley was born to Vernon and Gladys Presley in a two-room shotgun house in Tupelo, Mississippi. His twin brother Jesse Garin tragically did not survive, leaving Elvis as the sole child of the family. This early loss, coupled with the family's deep faith, would shape many of Elvis's emotional and musical sensibilities. Growing up, Elvis was particularly close to his mother Gladys. Their bond was powerful, and she became one of the central figures in his life. The Presley household was known for its strong religious ties, and the young Elvis spent considerable time in church, where he first was introduced to gospel music. This exposure ignited a deep-rooted passion for music in him. The hymns, spirituals, and rhythmic cadence of gospel tunes would influence his music in the years to come. Financial hardship was a constant for the Presley family causing them to move multiple times within Tupelo. Despite the economic difficulties, Elvis's parents endeavored to nurture his musical talents. On his 11th birthday, Elvis received his first guitar. While he had initially hoped for a bicycle, this gift would prove to be a prophetic one. By the age of 12, Elvis had begun to play the guitar proficiently, drawing from inspiration from the radio, where he would hear country, gospel, and blues tunes. His family's financial situation, however, didn't see much improvement. In the search for better prospects, the Presleys moved to Memphis, Tennessee in 1948. Memphis was a lively city with a thriving music scene. This was a stark contrast to Tupelo. Beale Street in particular was a hub for blues music. The young Elvis, with his keen musical interests, frequented Beale Street, absorbing the sounds, rhythms, and the raw emotions of blues. This immersion deeply influenced his musical style, melding this with gospel and country influences as well. As he entered his teenage years, Elvis began to play at local events and participated in talent shows. He enrolled at L.C. Humes High School, where he took part in several talent shows, often gaining attention for his unique voice and style. Outside of school, he worked various jobs to help support his family, all while further honing his musical skills. By the end of 1953, a young Elvis, filled with dreams and ambitions, made a pivotal decision. He walked into Sun Records, aiming to record a couple of songs as a belated birthday gift for his mother. Little did he know that this modest gesture would lead to the birth of a musical legend. Part 2. The Birth of a Rock and Roll Icon, 1953-1956 In the summer of 1953, a shy 18-year-old Elvis Presley wandered into the offices of Sun Records in Memphis. His intent was simple, to record a two-sided acetate disc for his mother. While Elvis paid the standard fee of $3.98, this recording featuring the songs My Happiness and That's When Your Heartache Begins would turn out to be invaluable in shaping music history. Marion Kiesker, the secretary at Sun Records, was struck by Elvis's voice. She made a note about the young singer and passed the recording to Sam Phillips, the owner of Sun Records. Phillips, always on the lookout for a unique talent who could bring the sound of black music to a white audience, saw potential in Elvis. However, it wasn't until a year later in 1954 that the two would collaborate. 
Phillips paired Elvis with two local musicians, bassist Bill Black and guitarist Scotty Moore. Their initial recording sessions were uneventful, but everything changed when they began to play a sped-up version of Arthur Crudrup's That's Alright Mama. The energy was palpable, and Phillips immediately recognized that they had stumbled upon something special. The song was soon released as a single, and it became a local radio hit. Elvis's sound was fresh and vibrant. It was a fusion of rhythm and blues, gospel and country. A new sound that would be coined as rock and roll. Alongside That's Alright, Elvis and his band recorded several more tracks at Sun Records, creating the foundation for his meteoric rise to success. By 1955, Elvis's popularity was growing. He started performing live shows across the southern United States, creating a stir wherever he went. His raw energy, combined with his provocative dance movements, was unlike anything audiences had seen before. The young singer became known for his swiveling hips, earning the nickname Elvis the Pelvis, a term he reportedly disliked. However, it was in 1956 that Elvis's career truly exploded. After signing with major label RCA Records, his first single for the label, Heartbreak Hotel, was released. It became a colossal hit, reaching the number one spot on the Billboard charts and solidifying Elvis's status as a national sensation. His first television appearances further escalated his fame. Shows like The Milton Berle Show, The Steve Allen Show, and The Ud Sullivan Show introduced him to millions of American households. However, his sexually suggestive performances were controversial. While teenagers adored him, many adults and conservative figures believed that he was a bad influence on the youth. In addition to his music, 1956 marked Elvis' first foray into films. He starred in his first movie, Love Me Tender, which was a box office success, paving the way for his future in Hollywood. By the end of 1956, Elvis Presley was not just a singer. He was an emblem of a cultural revolution. He had fundamentally changed the soundscape of American music, breaking radical barriers with his style, and challenging the conservative norms of the 1950s. The king of rock and roll had truly arrived. Part 3. Hollywood and Military Service, 1956-1960 The mid to late 1950s saw Elvis Presley's star beginning to burn brighter than ever. His unique sound and stage presence had transformed him into an international icon, and Hollywood was eager to capitalize on his immense popularity. The silver screen beckoned, and Elvis responded, stepping into a new role, film star. Elvis's debut film, Love Me Tender, in 1956, was a Civil War-era musical where he played a supporting role. The movie was a financial success, and though, though critics were split on its merits, they were unanimous in their praise for Elvis's charismatic screen presence. Hollywood saw potential, and so began Elvis's prolific film career. Over the next few years, he would star in a slew of films, including Jailhouse Rock in 1957 and King Creole in 1958. These movements often featured dance and songs that were perfectly tailored to showcase Elvis's musical talents. However, just as he was establishing himself as a credible actor, Elvis's career was temporarily disrailed by an unexpected event. In December of 1957, he received his draft notice for the U.S. Army. The news sent shockwaves throughout the entertainment industry. Here was the king of rock and roll, at the height of his career, being asked to serve his country as a regular soldier. Initially, there were attempts to have him serve in the special services, which would allow him to continue performing and stay in the public eye. However, Elvis chose to serve as a regular soldier, stating that he didn't want any special treatment. 
In March 1958, with fans and media watching, Elvis was inducted into the Army. Stationed in Fort Hood, Texas for basic training and later in Friedberg, Germany, Elvis was far from the glamour of Hollywood and the thrill of the concert stage. Still, even in uniform, he couldn't escape the limelight. In Germany, he was frequently approached by fans and reporters, all eager for a glimpse or a word from the famous private. It was also in Germany where he met a young girl named Priscilla Boyu, who would later become his wife. Their love story began amidst the backdrop of military service, adding another layer to Elvis' already fascinating life. During his military stint, Elvis' management ensured he remained in the public consciousness. Pre-recorded songs were released strategically during his service years, with hits like A Big Hunk of Love and Stuck on You, proving that his star power remained undiminished. When he was honorably discharged in March of 1960, there was a significant media frenzy. His return was celebrated with the TV special Elvis is Back, and his post-army musical releases like It's Now or Never quickly climbed the charts. His time in the military had brought maturity and added depth to the Elvis persona. No longer just the hip-shaking rebel, he was now seen as a patriot who had dutifully served his country. This period, with its mix of Hollywood glamour and military service, showcased the multifaceted nature of Elvis Presley, the artist, the actor, and even the soldier. Part 4, The 1968 Comeback and the Las Vegas Era, 1960-1973 The 1960s marked a tumultuous time in music and culture. The British invasion led by bands like the Beatles and the Rolling Stones had swept America, and the countercultural revolution was in full swing. Amidst this, Elvis Presley, the once reigning king of rock and roll, found himself at a crossroads. The early 1960s saw Elvis continuing his Hollywood career, churning out films that, while commercially successful, were often formulaic. Titles like Blue Hawaii in 1961, Girls, Girls, Girls in 1962, and Viva Las Vegas in 1964 featured Elvis in charming yet predictable roles. The soundtracks for these movies yielded hits, but as the decade progressed, Elvis' films began to receive lukewarm receptions both at the box office and among critics. Furthermore, his musical releases faced stiff competition from newer rock and pop acts. By the mid-60s, it became evident that Elvis needed to reassert himself in the evolving musical landscape. The solution came in the form of a television special, aired on December 3, 1968. The Elvis TV special, commonly referred to as the comeback special, was a pivotal moment in his career. Directed by Steve Binder, the special featured Elvis in an intimate, unplugged style, showcasing his raw musical talents and reminding audiences why he was the king. With his leather-clad look and performing with the fervor of his Sun Records days, Elvis bridged his past and present, proving that he could still captivate audiences. Spurred by the success of the comeback special, Elvis returned to live performances, a realm he hadn't ventured into since the early 60s. The stage for this resurgence was set in the glitz and glamour of Las Vegas. In 1969, he began a residency at the International Hotel, which would later, later become the Las Vegas Hilton. These shows were monumental, not just for Elvis, but for Las Vegas entertainment as a whole. With his powerhouse vocals, charismatic stage presence, and an ensemble of top-notch musicians, Elvis transformed Las Vegas residencies into a sought-after gig for many artists. 
It was during these performances that Elvis donned his iconic jumpsuits. These ornate, often bejeweled outfits became synonymous with his image during this era. Songs like Suspicious Minds and In the Ghetto from his 1969 sessions at American Sound Studio added to his set list, marking his returns to chart-topping form. However, the Las Vegas era wasn't just about glitz. It was a testament to Elvis's enduring talent and his ability to reinvent himself. Amid personal challenges, including his divorce from Priscilla in 1973, the rigors of constant performances and health issues, he still delivered electric shows night after night after night. By the end of this era, while there were signs that Elvis was battling personal and health issues, his reputation as a live performer was cemented. The Las Vegas years showcased an artist fully aware of his legacy, still capable of commanding the stage, and earning his title as the king of rock and roll. Part 5. The Final Years, 1973-1977 Elvis Presley's last years were marked by a paradox of triumphs and tribulations. On stage, he remained the king of rock and roll, captivating audiences with his larger-than-life presence. Offstage, however, he faced a series of challenges that would ultimately culminate in his untimely passing. The year 1973 began with a landmark event for Elvis, a concert broadcast via satellite titled Aloha from Hawaii. It was the first time an artist's performance was broadcast live across the globe. The show was a testament to Elvis's unwavering popularity, reaching over a billion viewers across 40 countries. This event solidified his status as a global icon. Yet, beneath this shining veneer of success lay a man grappling with personal turmoil. October of that year marked the end of his six-year marriage to Priscilla, with whom he shared a daughter, Lisa Marie. Their divorce was a significant blow to Elvis, both emotionally and mentally. Friends and colleagues noticed a marked change in his demeanor and energy levels following the split. Throughout the mid-70s, Elvis's health began to deteriorate rapidly. He had always battled weight fluctuations, but now it was accompanied by other health issues, many of which were exacerbated by his increasing dependence on prescription medications. These drugs, initially prescribed to help him cope with the rigorous demands of touring, soon became a crutch. The medications affected his performances, sometimes rendering him incoherent or lethargic on stage. Despite these challenges, Elvis's commitment to his fans never wavered. He maintained an intense touring schedule, playing to sold-out arenas and stadiums, but the strain was evident. Friends and family grew increasingly concerned about his well-being as he displayed signs of physical and emotional exhaustion. In 1976, Elvis released his final studio album, From Elvis Presley Boulevard, Memphis, Tennessee. The album's tracks, especially songs like Hurt and Blue Eyes Crying in the Rain, showcased a raw emotional depth hinting at the pain and vulnerability Elvis felt in his final years. The following year in 1977, he embarked on what would be his last series of concerts. By this time, the effects of his health issues and drug use were impossible to ignore. Footage from his last concerts depicted a visibly unwell Elvis struggling to perform. Then, on August 16th of 1977, the world came to a standstill with the tragic news of Elvis Presley's death. He was found unresponsive at his beloved Graceland mansion and was soon declared dead. The cause was ruled as a heart attack, but many believe his long-standing health problems and drug use contributed. The loss of Elvis was felt deeply across the globe. 
Fans flocked to Graceland to pay their respects, leaving flowers, letters, and tokens of their love. The outpouring of grief was a testament to the profound impact Elvis had on music and popular culture as a whole. In the wake of his death, Elvis's legacy was cemented. Though his final years were marred by personal and health struggles, they in no way overshadowed his monumental contributions to the music world. The King of Rock and Roll's influence remains palpable, echoing through the annals of music history and continuing to inspire artists across genres and generations. And that brings us to the end of today's episode on Elvis Presley, the King of Rock and Roll. He's also who died today, August 16th. Additionally, if you enjoyed today's episode and want a visual of what Elvis looked like, please follow our Instagram, who period died period today. Lastly, make sure to rate us wherever you are listening and share with friends and family. Join us next time on Who Died Today as we explore the life of another remarkable individual who made a lasting and indelible mark on history. I'm your host, Peter, and thank you for listening.